You are juror number 19, correct? That is correct. All right. Uh, before I turn the questioning over to the attorneys, uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions, but first administer an oath so that all the questions you answer are under oath. So if you could raise your right hand. Do you swear or affirm under penalty of perjury that you will truthfully answer all questions about your qualifications to serve as a juror? I do. All right. First thing I want to ask is about the questionnaire you filled out quite a while ago. Sure. Uh, was everything that you answered on that questionnaire true? Yes, sir. And do you have any changes, amendments, addition to the questionnaire that you can think of at this moment? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. The attorneys might ask some specific questions that might prompt a memory that you want to change your what you said or add to it because sometimes on reflection, more information might become aware to you. Um, now, as far as the case itself, I believe you indicated you you know something about the case, I assume, through the media. That's correct. And... The question I have for you is, after you filled out that questionnaire, or as part of that questionnaire, it's, it advised you not to read any articles, follow the media on it. Uh, but sometimes, inadvertently, you might see a headline, or maybe a friend or something talks to you about the case, because you're not supposed to tell anybody you're a possible juror. Did any of that happen between um, when you filled out the questionnaire and now? Not that I'm aware of, no. Okay. You weren't exposed to anything about the case, about the parties, anything like that? No, sir. All right. Now, because one of the reasons we say not to read any articles is you have to put aside anything you've learned outside of the courtroom, uh, any opinions that, because you can come in here with opinions. That's not a problem. I mean, most people probably have an opinion about the case or some of the facts. The question is, can you put those aside and decide the case before you, if you're a juror, based solely on the evidence and the law that I give you. I believe I can, yes, sir. All right. And you were given a long list of witnesses. Yes. Did you recognize anybody? No, sir. All right. And what about the length of the trial? We estimate it'll be about four weeks starting on March 29th. So that's when actual opening statements and evidence would be in. You'd probably be in trial here full-time for probably about four weeks. Does that work? Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else uh, that you wanted to bring up before I turn it over to the attorneys? Not that I'm aware of, no. All right. I'll turn to Mr. Nelson and ask him to inquire. Mr. Nelson. Good afternoon, sir. Afternoon. Again, my name is Eric Nelson. I represent Mr. Chauvin in connection with this case. Um, just have a few questions I'd like to go over kind of generally with you. Um, and then from there, uh, ask you some specific questions about your questionnaire. And sure. Your responses. Are. You're good with that? Yes, sir. All right. Um, so just uh, you and I meet in some social situation. What uh, are two things, two or three things you'd want me to know about you walking away? Uh I'm an honest person, straightforward, and uh, easy to talk to. Okay. Um, and when you received your jury summons, um, what was your first reaction? Uh, just trying to figure out dates that work best with work. Uh, I've done it five years ago, roughly. That, that, that time might not be exact, but I've done it recently. And it was more so just trying to make sure that uh, I could find a week that you know worked well. Okay. 
Um, did you postpone your jury service at some point and then end up here, or was this the original? I did not. This was original. Okay. Uh, when you received that jury notice, did it also include the questionnaire that you filled out? I believe that was the second uh, round of information I received. I believe first was just the dates, and then second was the, the questionnaire. Okay. When you got that second mailing, the, the questionnaire, and you realized that it was in connection with this case, what was your reaction? Uh, just that it's my service, uh, civil service to uh, fill that out, and if chosen as a juror, to fulfill that. Okay. When you got to court today or yesterday, whichever day you, was your first day, uh, what did you think when you saw the government center? Uh, was a little surprised. I haven't been downtown uh, recently. Uh, I used to work just across the street, um, so even pulling into the parking lot and that being gated up was just, uh, like I said, I hadn't been down uh, in this area of Minneapolis recently. Okay. So when you say it was surprising, like, like what do you mean? Like just the, the scope of it or? Yeah, I'd say that's it. Just the, the, the gating and all, all the protective uh, things in place okay. was not, uh, I, I guess, you know, could have expected that, but wasn't expecting it. Do you have any concerns about your personal safety serving as a juror on this case? No, sir, I do not. How about for your family? No, sir. you have any concerns about COVID-19 and how that may uh, affect your service? No, sir. Okay. So let me just ask you a couple questions. In terms of uh, your personal or professional life, can you think of a situation where you have had to uh, resolve a conflict between two people? Yeah, I'd say that. Can you give me an example of, I mean, without referencing who or, just give me an example of. of. Sure, uh, I, I'm in client service, so that there's conflicts all the time, back and forth on project deadlines, things that need to be met, and, and working through those together to find an amicable answer. And how do you ultimately um, approach the resolution of conflict between two people? Uh, it's in a conversation, meeting together, talking live, uh, working through what both sides are looking for and, and making sure we, we meet amicably. Do you have to go through that process in a group setting in your professional life? Uh, yeah, I work on teams a lot of the time. Okay. And what happens if you have two team members who um, disagree about the appropriate course of conduct? How do you resolve that type of conflict? Uh, we work through it as a team, and once we decide as a team, that's the path we go forward with. Um, how do you what what tools or decision making processes do you bring to the table to try to build consensus within a within a team? Uh, I would like to think that we uh, use more facts than emotions in those cases. Obviously, emotion is going to play into that. But if, if we're truly having an, an uh, inside the team an issue that we need to talk through, and making sure that we're breaking it down to what are the facts are, what do we need to work to, what's the answer that. You know, we need to get out of this conversation and being productive with that. Okay. Um, you understand that this is a group decision-making process in a sense, if you were to be selected as juror in this case. I do. Okay. And ultimately, um, in terms of uh, your role as a, a juror in this case is to weigh the evidence, right? Yes, sir. Are you able, to, would you be able to listen to the evidence from both sides? I believe so, yes. Would you be able to, um, Keep an open mind until all of the evidence. I is believe presented. so. Yes. Okay. Would you be able to um, 
if if ultimately you felt that the state of minnesota failed to meet its burden to prove this case beyond a reasonable doubt would you have any uh reservation in finding mr chauvin not guilty if that's the 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 path that was laid out no okay um and conversely the other way too right that's correct okay um you obviously are familiar with the case to some degree that is correct and have you formed a, an opinion, a personal opinion, about innocence or guilt in this case yet at this time? Uh, I have not because I have not examined it uh, from the viewpoint of the law. So in that regard, what, how would you examine it here if you were a juror? I would have to take the, the charges that were brought against uh, the defendant and based on the facts that are presented, determine whether that's met. And what would you what would your response be if um, you just didn't have enough information? I think then the the burden of proof is on the uh, prosecution in that case, and that the defendant's presumed innocent till proven guilty. Right. And what would what would you do? Uh, then I would deem him innocent in this case. And what happens if you were then in a in a uh, deliberation room and somebody else felt differently? I would talk through the facts and circumstances of why I believed that innocent would be uh, the case, and I'd hear their case of why they think that might not be the case, and whether that be something that I had forgotten through the trial or jogs uh, my memory, but make sure that we're both talking through with the facts presented. And um, you'd be willing to re-examine your own views? I would. I think How I would have to. Okay. And how? What if you felt it was just a critical piece of information, and you weren't willing to change your mind after after this discussion? If I still felt that my viewpoint was the one that I believed in, I think I'd stand by that viewpoint. Yeah. Now, in terms of your questionnaire, um, you had a the first question just sort of asked you to recite what you had heard or what you knew about this particular case yes and um, one of the one of your statements reads that after that time George was unresponsive the police officers did not try to resuscitate George while the ambulance arrived can you just explain like what do you mean what where did you get that information uh before I was informed that I would possibly be a part of this case, that is what I remember from news reporting at the time. Okay. So since that time, you've not no, read sir. it? Okay. Have you talked to other people about the fact that you're a potential juror in this case? No, sir. Now, you indicated um, that your view of the defendant in this case, Mr. Chauvin, was somewhat negative. And what you write is, from what I remember... They held a knee on his neck for seven minutes and did not attempt to resuscitate him when he was not breathing. Can you expand on what you mean by somewhat negative and your thoughts in that regard? Uh, somewhat negative because uh, the fact is someone died, um, and that's obviously a, not, not a positive thing uh, by any means, um, and that uh, he should be given the same justice that I'm here to, to help try and be a part of, of here and in a case amongst his peers. Okay. So... So who should be given that same justice? Uh, ideally, George should have at the time. And so the fact that he uh, is not here to be held in front of a court for uh, the crimes that he was being apprehended for is the, the somewhat negative that I was referring to uh, in my questionnaire. Okay. So you, is it fair to say that you have formed at least a preliminary opinion as to innocence or guilt? 
I would not say that's the case. I'd say the somewhat negative is, is, is due to the fact that uh, he has uh, he's dead, and the the, the the innocence of or guilt is in relation to the law and the charges brought, which I have not uh, considered against that viewpoint. Now, you indicated that in your questionnaire again that you've watched the video about the the, the citizen bystander video two or three times, right? That is correct. In full, from start to finish. Uh, I would not say in full. I, I believe it was as a part of news articles, so I don't believe I would have ever seen you know fully start to finish, but clips of it, yes. And it's um, fair to say that you've not seen any other evidence in this case? Not that I'm aware of, no. Okay. So prior to receiving this juror questionnaire, you, you weren't following this in the media to any significant extent? Not actively, no. Not, I'm sorry? Not actively, no. Okay. But you did have some conversations with family, friends, coworkers, things of that nature, right? Yeah, I think that uh, just the, the shock that it had on the city, where there were natural conversations that came up both uh, with my family in the workplace, and, and yes, I, I partook in those. Okay. And did you have friends or family member who may have taken uh, different viewpoints of the circumstances? Uh, I not necessarily know. I don't think the conversations were revolving around any judgment upon the case, but just the happenings of what was out there. Well, I guess what I mean by that is that there's there's lots of ripple effects, right, from sure. from uh, any incident, and so um, some people will take a position one way, and another position person will take a, a contrary position. Can you any of the conversations that you had with your family, friends, or coworkers? Um, did they differ? Uh, not materially, no. Okay. Would you describe those com conversations as um, more political in nature or specific to the facts of this case? Uh, more political in nature and, uh, yeah, just the community in general. Do you think that any of the opinions that you or your friends share in terms of the, the politics, lowercase p, of this situation, um, would influence your ability to be fair and impartial in this case. No, I don't believe so. So no one's expecting you to, to not have any biases or any concerns. Or you know, The question is, can you set those aside? Understood. And you think you can do that? Yes, sir. You also indicated that you have a friend who is a police officer? That is correct. Is he a police officer with the Minneapolis Police Department? Uh, I believe so. Okay. Um, have you talked about this situation prior to the jury uh, questionnaire with your friend? Who's I did not, no. Okay. Um, you indicate you haven't seen him very often since COVID? No, not often, no. How close of a friend would you describe this to be? Uh, he, he's not a super close friend. I'd say more of a friend of a friend. Okay. How often would you, prior to COVID, how often would you see him? Uh, two times a year, maybe. Okay. Would he talk about his job? Uh, occasionally. Um, would he kind of tell you the stories of things, arrests he's made and stuff like that? Uh, not so much. Uh, more so he has a canine uh, as, a, as a part of his duty and just talks about his dog mostly. Okay. Um, if you were selected as a juror on this case, would you um, call up your friend and ask him his opinion? And No, as I, as I don't believe I should be talking with anyone outside uh, these walls about the case. Would you... Um, Would you be concerned that if you were to find Mr. Chauvin guilty, that that could damage your friendship with this person? No, I would not. 
And conversely, would you feel any obligation to find him not guilty by virtue of this relationship? No. You had some karate lessons when you were seven or eight years old? I did. Like pretty much every other kid in the in the state? Just wanted to uh, answer to the best of my ability. <laughs> Understood. Um, you also had some opinions as to both Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter. Yeah. Would you, would you care to expand on either of those opinions? Uh, I think what I wrote there is consistent with my thoughts. Okay. You, you support Black Lives Matter in a general context, right? That is correct. But you disagree with some of their tenets is what you wrote? That is correct. How, can you explain that? Uh, I think some of the ways that, uh, depending on group members, have gone about it has not always been the best uh, actions, but I do believe that Black Lives Matter. And you also have a somewhat unfavorable opinion of Blue Lives Matter. That is correct. Do you ever have that conversation with your police officer friend? I have not, no. Okay. Um, you also indicated that you have some friends who are lawyers? That's correct. Same question. I'm, I'm expecting the same response that you're not going to call them and ask them, hey, Cahill said the law is this. Mr. Judge Cahill has said the law is this. Is he right? No, sir. Okay. You previously also had served on a jury, right? That is correct. Was that here in Hennepin County? It was. And uh, you said that was maybe five, six years ago or something? Roughly. Like I said, don't know the exact year, but yeah, roughly that time frame. Uh, and you ultimately did not take a part in those deliberation process. That is correct. I was an alternate. Did you have a good experience? I think as good as an experience as you can have. Okay. Was it a longer trial? It was about a week, if my memory serves correctly. Okay. Were you disappointed that you didn't get to take part in the deliberation process? Uh, slightly, yeah. I think after hearing the process, uh, you know, I okay. formed an opinion sat there, so I was looking forward to it as I think it's an important part of our uh, society. And in terms of um, that experience, I mean, you had a kind of a preview, right, leading up to this, you know, there's some delays here and there, right? Yeah. Um, but ultimately, there's nothing about that experience that would um, impact or impair your ability to be fair in this case? No, sir. Just want to follow up on one last question in your uh, questionnaire. Um, you indicated that it is a busy time for work, um, but that you can fulfill your civic duty in this case, right? Yes, sir. All right. Um, so you would, are you, would you be going to work after jury duty and staying late, or how would you handle that? Yeah, so uh, I, I would be on leave, but there's probably some things I'd still have to pitch in and uh, work through at night. Okay. Um, is it like, an, Would you end up having to pull all-nighters and anyway have it affect your ability to serve here as a juror? Not that I'm aware of, no. Your Honor, I'll pass for cause. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So, uh, juror number 19. Yes, sir. You 
discussed in your questionnaire some information that you uh, gathered or had prior to uh, filling out the questionnaire about the case itself. And I just want to follow up on a couple of things. I think uh, the first thing uh, that I'd like you to explain a little bit further is that you said in news stories that you heard that George Floyd may have been under the influence of, of uh, hard drugs, I yes. think is what you described. And can you please uh, tell me uh, what you believe you've heard about that? Uh, trying to recollect back just that uh, there may have been uh, drugs in his blood, but I, I cannot confirm or deny whether that is a truthful story at this time. Um, aside from whether or not the story is truthful, uh, I was interested that you use the term hard drugs. What do you define as hard drugs? Um, anything that <laughs> I wouldn't consider a recreational drug, so anything more than marijuana. Okay. Uh, and so what effect, uh, you know, what ran through your mind when you heard this? You know, regardless of whether or not it's true um, that, that George Floyd may have been under the influence of hard drugs. Uh, frankly, I don't think that should have uh, much impact on the case uh, as whether you're under the influence of drugs doesn't determine uh, whether you should be living or dead. And I believe you also stated that you think that you heard that George Floyd had what you called a checkered past. Yes. Can you describe what you meant by that? If I remember correctly, uh, he has served uh, previously uh, prison sentences uh, or at least been convicted of crimes in the past. And, and that's what you heard in the media? That's what I heard in the media. I think you also said that you believe that you heard that it involved a domestic disturbance? I believe that's one of the cases that I had heard about, yes. Can you describe for us what you, you think you heard about that? Just as much detail as you can recall. Uh, th th there's not a lot there, but just that one of his previous charges, at least, I don't know if it was conviction or not, uh, had to do with uh, either domestic assault or just domestic disturbance. Mm -hmm. oh. One thing that you were asked in terms of you know prior information that you've heard, uh, maybe prior opinions that you formed before coming here today, you were asked whether or not you could set those opinions aside and decide the case based solely on the evidence that you hear. Now, um, you may or may not hear any evidence like that uh, at all. Uh, but just in the back of your mind, as you would be listening and thinking about this case, let's say you didn't hear any evidence regarding anything about uh, George Floyd's past, uh, do you think you'd be able to put that out of your mind? Or would it still you know, kind of be in the back of your mind that, that maybe George Floyd had some run-ins with the law? I think I'd be able to set that aside because each case should be tried on its own. And if you did hear information like that, um, that he'd had some run-ins with the law prior to the day uh, that he died, uh, do you think that that would have an effect on uh, how you would decide the actions of those involved on that particular day? Uh, I don't believe so. As I just said, I think that the trial should stand for itself as alone. What has, has happened in the past shouldn't be uh, on trial here. Can you, without uh, disclosing, uh, you know, your precise title uh, or the place you work, just provide a little bit more information about what exactly you do in your job? 
Yeah, so I'm a, I'm an auditor. Uh, so with that, I look at companies' financial statements uh, to make sure that they're in accordance with uh, the accounting standards. Okay. And uh, as an auditor, I, I think you said this is a busy time. Is this a particularly busy time for you as an auditor? Uh, it's a little better right now. Uh, January is probably the worst, but uh, here through June is, is busier than, than the second half of the year, yes. And if uh, you were seated as a juror in this case, uh, you know, on behalf of both sides, we'd be asking you to commit your full and undivided attention uh, to this trial, to all of the witnesses who testify, to all of the exhibits that are offered, to all of the instructions of the judge. Would you be able to do that? Yes, sir. And, and uh, you gave a good affirmative answer there. I, I just wanted to revisit a, an answer you gave before uh, yeah. a couple of times when I asked the question about would you be able to put aside any opinions you may have formed or media uh, accounts you have heard. And I think you said, I, I believe I can or I think I can. And uh, just need to be you know, very clear here because if you were a pilot instead of an accountant and I was about to get on your plane and I'd say, Hey, are you gonna are you gonna land this plane safely in Phoenix like we have planned? And you said, I believe so. Now, I might I might turn around. And so uh, I just need to you know hear from you when you say that you believe that you can set aside your prior opinions. Do you mean you can, or are you unsure? I believe I can to the best of my ability. Okay. And so when you say you believe you can, does that mean that you will, or that you'll just try? That I will. That you will. Yes, sir. Getting back to the issue of your of your college friend or the the friend of a friend who serves as a police officer, yeah. I just to ask you, I mean, if you had to evaluate the testimony of a police officer versus any other witness, uh, do you believe that you would, uh, you know, take the word or the testimony of a police officer over that of a different witness, say a, a bystander? Unless the question was directly related to uh, subject matter that a police officer would have more knowledge on than a, than a normal citizen, no. Mm -hmm. So to, to draw that out a little bit, if you had two people seeing the same event, one, witness A was a police officer, witness B was a bystander, and they were just simply reporting what they saw, would you have a reason to believe one person over the other if what they said was something different? No. Okay. But if uh, the officer was testifying about something, using your, your friend with the canine, for example, you'd probably tend to believe what that person would have to say about how his canine works over just some casual person who would... Who would yes, I, I would assume a police officer would know more about the canine unit than someone that does not work within that uh, portion of the police department. So it sounds to me... Uh, that it would be fair to say your opinion uh, wouldn't just be exclusive to police officers, but you would tend to believe, say, a physician about medical things over a, a bystander or someone who is untrained. That would be correct, yes. Okay. I think I understand. Uh, one moment, Your Honor.
Uh, thank you. I have uh, no further questions, and I really appreciate your uh, your candor here today. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. All right, jury nineteen, you will serve on this jury. Okay. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have you come back. You're free to go about your business until March 29th. And we'll have you back here at 9 a.m. And the deputies will escort you to the courtroom uh, where you'll wait until we start the trial itself. We're anticipating about four weeks. In the meantime, you're not an investigator. Don't talk to people about the case. Don't try and check up on the case. Will I be getting any further information in case the 29th is not the date? Or, or will, there, will there be any confirmation before that point? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, I'm making that commitment now since it's three weeks away. I don't want you to forget. Uh, we will definitely contact you if, if that changes, as you've already seen. Sometimes there are unforeseen delays. We're pretty confident in that date, um, so I think we're going to go with that. Uh, but So if you don't hear from us, uh, March 29th, 9 a.m., please be here. But I'm going to ask the jury office to give reminder calls to everybody. Sounds good. Thank All you. Right. Thank you, sir.